you really have to take learning to your own hands though, because there's a lot of friends of mine who also went to the Ivy Business School, but they have no idea how to do their personal finances. So when I, the reason why I decided to go to business school is because I needed to learn. I, I wanted to learn how to manage my personal finance. That was like my main goal. So when okay, I good. when I was there, wait, wait, I, so this, this was yeah. before you went to school. You were like, I want to get into accounting as well to get better with money. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Because if, if my parents weren't teaching me how to do money and schools aren't teaching you how to do money, I'm like, how am I supposed to learn how to be successful? Like, I, I don't want to have the same struggles my parents did. What's good, everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode 76 of Highly Invested, where we invest in ourselves, talk about personal growth, and we ask high performers, entrepreneurs, and content creators about the best investments they've made in themselves that help get them to where they are today. And before we start this episode, I need to plug my new YouTube series, Reality Check Cannabis in 2020. It's an eight-episode edutainment series on the cannabis plant and the new budding cannabis industry in general. It's a little passion project of mine and my effort to help eliminate the negative stigma created over the years by the failed war on drugs that wrongfully associated the most versatile plant on the planet with crime and violence as an excuse to arrest minorities to fill the prison system. Since the natural progression of time has led us to rediscover its medicinal benefits and created a recreational industry that started in Canada with the U.S. next in line, the best time to consider investing is now. So tune into my YouTube channel at Make More Capital or search Reality Check Cannabis in 2020 to learn about the top U.S. and Canadian cannabis companies right now so you can pick the front runner to invest in and cash in on the upcoming Green Rush. And we're live. Michael Kim, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing, Jordan? I'm doing well. I'm glad to have you on the show. Another Canadian personal finance coach. Yeah, uh, there are not enough Canadian uh, just like platforms and podcasts and YouTube channels. So I'm extremely excited to be here. Good. Yeah. I mean, it's good to see more and more Canadian creators pop up, but we're definitely, uh, I guess, with, with the nice nature and beauty we have, a lot of people spend time outdoors, less on mobile apps. <laughs> yeah. And whereabouts are you based in Canada? So I'm based in Mississauga or like close to Toronto. So I'm just in the general GTA area. I was born and raised here, um, spent like a few years in London, Ontario for university. And then, yeah, I'm back, back at home. <laughs> okay, right on. And so let me, let's start with your family's general consensus or sorry, the, the consensus of like your family and your community growing up. What was their view on money? Is it something that you talked about a lot or was it like me, something that you realized at some point was like, I don't know anything. I really need to figure this stuff out. Yeah, uh, growing up, money discussion was very tricky and very difficult to navigate because I'm uh, half Korean and half Chinese. So I come from an Asian background. And in a lot of Asian cultures, it's like you are not allowed to talk about money. It's 100% forbidden. So it came right. to a point where where my family, we were having a lot of financial difficulties. We were like, my parents were constantly arguing about money. And then it came to a point where- And sorry, what, what did your parents do when you were a kid, like for, for work? So for work, my mom was a nurse and then my dad was an entrepreneur as well. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah, it was partially stable, but then also unstable at the same time. Well, you can make money, but it's about keeping money, right? And, and making yeah, it Yeah, exactly. 
So yeah, there's just a lot of negativity, a lot of secrecy when it came to growing up uh, with money. And I, we would also often ask, or I would ask my parents like, oh, so like, how are we doing? Like, do we have enough for school? Or like, you know, am I allowed to go on vacation? And they're just like, don't talk about money. Like that's not allowed. So that was the type of environment that I grew up in. Fascinating. Do you, do you think too that like looking back, it's like, my gosh, how many, how much more could have gotten done if, if, you know, they were honest with you or they did not see shame in like telling you the truth? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of problems that could have been avoided and a lot of problems that are, you know, solved in the beginning stages is a lot easier to solve rather than just hiding the problems under the rug and, you know, waiting for it to just explode out of the rug. <laughs> yeah. I mean, clearly we've seen just with, with time progression that that doesn't lead to successful, uh, it's not a successful strategy at least, but um, yeah. no, yeah, it, it's a good point that you mentioned that though, because it's just fascinating for me as well. It's like, you might be lying to your kids thinking that it's going to benefit them, but ultimately I think that if that's the thought, better to, to tell them uh, the truth or at least let them in. But, and so you mentioned that you're born in Canada. So going to Western, was that for the parties or for the uh, reputation of the Ivy League school? <laughs> it was definitely not for the parties. Uh, a funny story, it was probably a horrible way to choose a university, but my high school, we did like a trip to the Ivy Business School and the building was just like, I think it was just built or just done. And I was just like, you know, good school. Like it looks really nice. So I want to go here. <laughs> And also my sister went to Western University as well. So then um, that, that was another reason why I wanted to go. But yeah, it was an awesome experience that I had there. Good, good. Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I, I went to Ottawa U and okay. that was the first and only school that I ever went to the campus and looked at. <laughs> yeah. Are you from Ottawa or? I am. I was born and raised here, but just the, the decision wasn't, you know, I didn't think about it. I just went there because it was close by. And like yeah. in, in Ottawa, where I live, there are two universities and one would require me taking one bus to school or two actually, but the other one would require me taking three buses. So how easy oh, was gosh. that for me to yeah. choose my university based on the time commute? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Great choices. Uh, Don't follow this. <laughs> right? No, I mean, it's just like, wow. <laughs> the, the thought process when I was 17 versus now, it's like incredible. Yeah. Shake my head. <laughs> Growth is important. But so I want to ask, though, did, the, did you find that your experience at the Ivy Business School, or at least in university, did that teach you enough about personal finance? Or did that at least open the door and make you realize that you know, where has this been all my life? Yeah, so it did help open doors to the personal finance world. I think you really have to take learning to your own hands, though, because there's a lot of friends of mine who also went to the Ivy Business School, but they have no idea how to do their personal finances. So when I, the reason why I decided to go to business school is because I needed to learn. I, I wanted to learn how to manage my personal finance. That was like my main goal. So when okay, I good. when I was there, Wait, sorry, I, so this, this was yeah. before you went to school. You were like, I want to get into accounting as well to get better with money. Exactly. Yeah, okay. because if if my parents weren't teaching me how to do money and schools aren't teaching you how to do money, I'm like, how am I supposed to learn how to be successful? Like, I, I don't want to have the same struggles my parents did. Right. So then that was a trigger where I was like, OK, I need to study this in, in school. So that, that was the main reason why, or another reason why I went to the business, Ivy Business School. Okay. I like that though, because I do think a lot of people even, you know, you probably learned a lot more about personal finance because you had that intention, but mm -hmm. it, it just surprises me talking to people who studied finance that aren't necessarily, you know, financially literate just because 
you can learn what a job is preparing you for, but it's just like that personal finance aspect, unless you're looking out for it, it's, you're not going to retain it most times. Exactly. Because business schools, they really focus on the corporate perspective. Like you learn about corporate finance and corporate accounting. You never talk about personal stuff. Like the, the right. money isn't in there. The money is in the corporation. So you really, I really had to like dig deep. I had to like, I was taking the tax course. It was like one chapter about personal finance and like 13 chapters about corporate taxes. <laughs> I, right. I'm like, okay, I need to study this personal stuff um, and that is the way that's the reason why even though a lot of people didn't learn about personal finance from from university I was still able to get a general good understanding about um, I guess a good foundational knowledge at least about my personal finances okay good and so again other than that what were some of the biggest lessons that just the university experience taught you yeah the first one is like take learning into your own hands like you need to really like look out for things as well as take courses that you actually want. Uh, for example, there were a lot of courses at the Ivy Business School that were kind of, I wouldn't say that they're not useful, but they're like more like leadership development and negotiations. And those skills are extremely, extremely important. But it's like, do you want to learn that in like a controlled setting or do you want to learn that in like the actual type of environment? So I was like, I am going to become a leader by actually being a leader. And, in a job or in an actual experience. So then instead of taking those types of courses, I really focus on the, I guess, personal finance courses like portfolio management, wealth management, taxes. And that is the reason why I was able to accomplish what I came to university for. Good, yeah. I mean, that, that's the goal, right? Make sure you complete it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so you're studying to become a chartered professional accountant? Mm -hmm. And how soon until you can get that title? Yeah, so in order to become a CPA, you need uh, X amount of work experience. You have to complete a bunch of exams. So I've completed all the exams. I just passed like the major exam back in September 2020. Congratulations. So, yeah, thank God. Like, I'm like, I don't, if I didn't pass, I don't think I would like be able to write it again. It was just, it's a three day exam. And I think it's like six or four hours each day or something like that. Oh my God, man, the mental bandwidth. How do you prepare for three days? Six, yeah. Four to six hour exam. Like, yeah, I'm a little scarred. There was like one of my managers, she was like, oh, you can like apply to be a writer for, for the CFI. So you can go through that experience again. And I'm like, hell no, like no way. <laughs> man, it's so interesting too, though. Like, right. Once you finish taking that test that you don't need to anymore, it's just like, wow, how great, because I'm never going to have to face a test in my life again. <laughs> yeah, like do it again, 10 times more. <laughs> it's definitely good to test your knowledge, but at the same time, it's like it, it, it does have to be, or it, these tests are designed to, you know, fill a role, but yeah, it, at least, hey, good thing that you passed that and you're done. Yeah. So <laughs> how much more you've, sorry, yeah, I'll let, let you continue. Yeah, so I, I've been working like full time for about a year and a half. So I would need just another years of experience. So hopefully in like, I don't know, 2022 sometime, I should be a fully chartered professional accountant. <laughs> Amazing. Good. And then that goal gets accomplished onto the yep, next one. And then onto, onto other things. <laughs> and so are you, do you consider yourself a numbers person? I never used to consider myself a numbers person. So growing up in elementary school and high school, I was always an artsy kid. I loved visual arts. I was always drawing anime. I was always painting. I was in music. And these were the things that I was actually good at and things that brought me joy. <laughs> but as, as I talked about before, like I, I 
was not that great at numbers and I wanted to learn about personal finance and how to manage my own money. So then that's the reason why I kind of pushed myself instead of going into like an arts degree, I decided to do a business degree, which requires a lot of number analysis. And I really had to work on the skills that I was not strong in. So just by being exposed to those courses, studying really hard, I was never like the top of the class, but I, I got by. I was pretty average, and um, I now I can say that I'm pretty good at numbers analysis as a soon-to-be CPA. <laughs> good. Well, it, man, the progress is just now you could at least look at the numbers and get the story that they're telling you, right? Exactly. That's the main goal, right? Like you, that that's the reason why I became or wanted to pursue CPA because. I want to have that general understanding of how to read financial statements, how to understand how companies are re interacting together, and just those fundamental skills required. Yeah, it's very smart, because I, I think when I realized, too, that numbers, like the English language, like words, is a language, so it, it exactly. takes practice, um, but with that practice, you can learn it, and I, uh, I forget what, what I was going to touch on, but um, I just, I like that you say that though, because I myself was not a numbers person. And mm -hmm. if you asked me four years ago, Hey, Jordan, you, you, you'll be investing your own money in, in a few years. I <laughs> laughed in your face, like legit. Yeah. And, um, I, I just, I, I want to give it credit to the fact that when I was growing up, I was a big sports fan and I always looked at the standings and the stats and all the different data for players. And I think that it was just that experience labeled with all the work I've put in that, like, it just, it was, it was able, or I was able to learn it. So just curious, was there anything like that growing up that you looked at a lot with that involved numbers or was it just the, once you got into school? I think it was pretty much when I got into school, like there were some courses that really pushed me to try to learn numbers and how to do some analysis. Like that, uh, we had this um, course, it was, uh, yeah, just like data management. And it was just like, it was so hard like everyone every it was like one of the most difficult courses at the Ivy Business School but you know we all passed and we all got by and you know you take yeah. those skills and now you apply to your life okay so going forward then when did you actually start investing was this something that you did as a student or is it something you've recently started doing now that you finished your schooling yeah, so I think the first like time where I got exposure to investing was when I didn't know anything about investing. It was when I was in high school, probably like grade 12. I remember going to the bank with my mom and to see a financial advisor. Awesome. And I, yeah, I had some you know money that I wanted to invest, maybe let's say like 5,000 or $10,000. And I remember going to the financial advisor saying, oh, like I want to invest this money for the long term, like if uh, in the future. And the financial advisor was like, okay, just put it in some like one or 2% GICs for locked in for the next like four or five years. And I'm like, okay, cool. So then I just like gave her the money, she did whatever. And then I remember walking away from the bank with my mom and I asked my mom like, so was that a good deal? Like did the financial advisor give us a good deal? And my mom was like, I have no clue. <laughs> yeah, because she didn't know how to manage her finances. And that's when I clicked. It's like people that don't know how to manage their finances have money problems in the future. Yeah. And looking back now, GICs are not a good investment for long-term investments, just so you know. <laughs> well, especially if you're expecting growth, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's amazing because you walk in there to that office and you believe that that person has a background in finance. Mm -hmm. And they don't need to, which is yeah. shocking. Um, I just want to share a bit about my story because it's funny sure. that 
my parents don't know anything about investing. Um, and when I came home from, from travel or from teaching in Korea um, for two years, I, I also had a chunk of money and I was like, I know that investing is important and mm-hmm. it'll help you like secure, secure yourself in the future. And my dad said the same thing, go to the bank. And sitting down was just like, wow, this guy's a money guy. Like, really cool that I, I'm getting this money guy, not realizing that he's a sales rep. And yeah. just funny how it ended up happening. But I, he let me open and invest. He let me invest in a TFSA when I was a non-resident at the oh, time I wasn't living in Canada. So it was only a year and a half later that I found out that I owed CRA $1,400 in tax. And that was what just made me realize that like, if this guy doesn't like, if he can sell me the product and he doesn't even know the rules, then I can figure this out. And it, that's kind of what started all, but it, it's fascinating because you could innocently ask your parents and they should say, I have no idea, but instead they tell you to go to the bank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. But Hey, we live and learn. And I honestly, obviously would have happened for a reason so that you and I, could could be the ones to lead the rest uh, in our families, right? For sure. Yeah, we definitely learn from our mistakes, and you know, moving forward, we're just trying to help people avoid those mistakes now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And so, just curious. And after that, like, did you just keep the money invested in GICs because you're like, well, what else can yeah, I? Yeah. Well, it was in there, locked in for four years. So after four years, I went to university. I learned how to invest, and I was like, okay, this was dumb, <laughs> and yeah. I took it out and I started investing myself. So then after university, I really started to invest my money. I got a full-time job, was able to invest my money. And yeah, I've been investing probably for like two years now. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting that, hey, at least you preserved your capital. That's the good thing. Yeah. At least I didn't go down at least. <laughs> it's so it's so interesting though. Cause it's just like, yeah, at that time when you ask your mom and she goes, I have no idea. You're just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was actually so shocked. I was like, wait, you're an adult and you don't know how to manage your money. I was like, so offended, <laughs> but it's, it's what happens when your country or the school system doesn't teach you anything about personal finance and how to manage your money. And I think Canada is a unique case because we're all, I mean, most Canadians, again, not everyone, but we're well off for the most part, like Canadian jobs can pay a wage well enough so that you can um, afford, you know, a vehicle, a home to start investing, right? So it is interesting that we have that privilege, but um, yeah. same idea there. Now, what inspired the name Life Planting? Yeah, so uh, I think Life Planting was just a business that I wanted to help people beyond just personal finance and like managing or managing your money. Because money is, yes, money is important, but money isn't everything, right? There's so much more to life. The reason why we work so hard at our job, the reason why we try to make money is so that we can spend time with our family, our friends, do things that we actually enjoy in life. And that's the reason why life planting is like, you're by learning how to manage your money, you're learning how to take control of your life. And planting is just like you're setting the I guess the seeds in order to prepare yourself so that you can achieve that life that you want so that was kind of what inspired the name life planting good well a lot of good analogies come out of that and obviously it does a tree <laughs> um, it's is, very useful for content wise <laughs> it is exactly and um, also wanted to mention your coaching program is the plant your money program exactly yeah so, yeah a lot of good uh, wordplay that you can intersect in exactly yeah <laughs> and so curious then what inspired you to start the account and you know really I guess to showcase 
um, what you know, uh, maybe as a creative outlet, what was the idea behind that? Yeah, so I started a job in accounting in 29, September 2019. And as you know, I'm a creative person. So starting an accounting job was like, oh my gosh, it was like, I knew accounting was boring, but starting an accounting job is just like so boring. <laughs> is it? Like in what way? Just spreadsheets all day? What? It, it was just like the same thing, monotonous thing, every single day, repeat, repeat, repeat. Okay. And I was like, yeah, definitely need a creative outlet. Otherwise, my brain is going to go dead. So I decided to start a personal finance blog. So I knew that personal finance was something that I was really passionate about. So I started off just as a blog, you know, writing articles. But the thing is with a blog is, per, first of all, I don't like writing. I'm like not really a good writer. And number two is that maybe like a few of my friends would read it and they'd be like, oh, Michael, I read your blog. It was useful kind of. And I'm just like, okay, like I did this blog so I can actually like transform someone's life and try to, you know, change their life. Mm -hmm. And I knew a blog wasn't the right platform for me. And then that's when I actually started coaching. So I actually started working with people. Okay. And that's when I started to see the real transformations. Okay, nice. And so was this was this sort of uh you know like end of 2019 into 2020? When did you land your first client? So how I started the the coaching was that I I started it as a, out of a place of just trying to help my friends. So right. I had three friends who were just struggling with their student debt. They were like so stressed. They had no idea what investing was. They they're just like in a ball of negativity. And I looked at them. I was like, you know, I I know how to help you. Like, do you want my help? And they're like, oh my gosh, like yes. And like I didn't charge them for anything because the, these people were just like my friends. Mm -hmm. These are, yeah, these are people that I loved. I wanted to help them. So I, I just helped them. And after I created pretty much like a whole like lesson plan, like whole program for them. And after when they actually got results, when they actually realized, oh my gosh, I can pay my student loans in X amount of years. I can buy a house. I can still go on that vacation. Once they started to get all of these amazing results, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to share this with the rest of the world. So then I first, I think I landed my first client maybe 2020. Yeah, 2020, sometime there. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, well, it's, it's a process. And I guess, because when did you start your life planting account? Was that in like this year? I started the blog in 2019. I started the Instagram sometime in 2020. I think. Okay. So, I mean, like you would almost... 2020. <laughs> right. So you'd helped your friends first though, and then realized that you could use that as a creative outlet sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I knew that I, there are people out there just like them who needed my help. And that's the reason why I was like, I, like, I need to share this with other people. And it's not, I mean, it, it's simple, right? You just have to, you just need the trust. Um, and I, I think that's the hardest part, of, but the most important part of coaching someone, right? Having that trust there. And uh, well, it's great that you can help friends, people that you know. Yeah, coaching is definitely a relationship entirely based on trust because it's so personal. It's like one-on-one, -on -one. you have to share a lot of like confidential information and they want to like you and they need to trust you in order to work with you. So that's why I, I started to go on Instagram because Instagram is such a great way to build that connection when people can start to see your face, start to hear how you talk and how you act. And that's when people really start to trust you. Good. Yeah. Putting yourself out there is not easy, but it, it's so important. You just have to start. And then um, was there any sort of like hesitation or imposter syndrome um, just based on, you know, rules around finance and 
you wondering if you can do this and be a coach or like, uh, was, was there any sort of imposter syndrome or fear in starting that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So much imposter syndrome. There's like times where like, I almost quit because I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is like, I don't know. I was just like, this isn't what I need to do or whatever. Um, but the, the thing is with personal finance coaching or financial coaching is that it's really in the gray area because you pretty much just can't do what financial advisors do or what certified financial planners do, which is to actually invest your money. And you really have to be focused on the education side of things. And once I realized that, and once I talked to other financial coaches who are doing the exact same thing that I'm doing, I was like, okay, that's exactly what I want. And that's exactly what I wanted to do anyways, because I don't want to do everything for someone because that's not empowering them to do anything. That's just, you know, taking the easy way out. What I want to do is to actually educate them so then they can do all the work themselves so that they don't have to rely on me anymore. Yeah, so, you're giving them the confidence. Yeah, exactly. The confidence, the knowledge, skills, tools, resources so that they can take control of their own life and make their own decisions. Good. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while to get through that too. Imagine like our whole lives were drilled that like, no, no, you got to follow the rules. How dare you go against how the rules are and mm -hmm. how things are yeah, perceived. But no, I'm glad you did because, um, well, I mean, obviously the internet and social media makes for an environment where we're able to do this, which is awesome. Wasn't this easy before, but um, you're helping lots of people and that's, that's really what matters, right? So yeah, I've had like some of some mentors be like, oh, like you should get your like CFP license and stuff like that. And like to get your CFP, you would have to like do more exams and more tests. It would be like four or five years. And I'm like, but like people need my help like today, like people need my help like now in the next like two years. And that's the reason why I was like, I don't, as long as I don't invest people's money, and as long as I don't like go into their, the CFP realm, yeah. I can still help people in my own way. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, a CFP is something you can do, but you didn't need it. Good thing you didn't. Um, yeah. And so, well, before we just move on to the big question, curious, uh, just with clients and so far working with people, what are some of the biggest things you've noticed uh, just about, you know, personal finance and where a lot of people are with it? And then some, some lessons um, just that you've picked up from helping people? Yeah, so like, I guess very holistically overall, there is definitely a lot of issues with financial literacy in Canada. Uh, I think the traditional financial industry, as we talked about, really benefits from the lack of education yeah. because they get to take advantage of people. People are making bad decisions and just, you know, trusting a random stranger to do good things with their money. And it's structured for the institutions to profit. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of mistrust within the financial industry and a lot, a lot of just not like, I guess, low education in this type of field. Like people ask me very basic questions like what is a TFSA? What is an RSP? And it's just sad to see that these are just like the fundamentals. These are like these are things that everyone should know. Yeah. And yet people who are young, people who are old still don't know these very basic terms. So mm -hmm. there definitely needs to be a lot of change and a lot of more education within the financial industry. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. They sell, they don't educate, right? Yeah. And if you walk out of there more confused than when you went in, that signifies a problem. <laughs> yeah. So. 
Yeah. Well, and yeah, and I think that's like one of the reasons why financial coaching exists or exists today, because yeah. if the financial industry was like totally good, like everyone was educated, then you wouldn't need a financial coach. But financial coaches have become a lot more popular these days because financial coaches have recognized the need. People need education. People need how to understand, not just being told what to do, but to actually understand and make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's so important we make that shift because it has enabled people to not have to care about their money and then they get to retirement and realize like, well, where did 50% of my nest egg go? Oh, fees, you know, like yeah. terrible. Uh, but yeah, so lastly, your, your website though, it's beautiful. Do you have any background in developing or did you hire someone to do that? I don't do like HTML coding or anything like su- like super hard coding, but mm. uh, in university, I actually started a website development business. So I built all my websites through WordPress and websites are amazing because it's like pretty much just like big art project <laughs> online. Uh, so I absolutely love doing website development. I helped a lot of small businesses build their own websites and it's also really integrated into marketing and I personally love marketing as well so that I built all my websites from scratch and yeah and that's just like like a hobby with practice that you've developed over time so it was actually I it was for this nonprofit organization called Isaac where they send like students at university abroad um, on like to teach English and stuff like that. So I was I applied for the website manager of the National Isaac website when, with no experience at all. And I was like, I'm not going to get it. And then I got it. And I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. Anyways, I, I, I learned really, really fast. I had to, I got really great mentors. And that's how I learned. I was going to say some YouTube probably too. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Lots of YouTube. Good. Well, it, I'm glad you use WordPress because it's, it's actually, I think, the toughest probably site builder out there. But if you can learn it, it's a very, it makes for a very nice clean website, but no, it's cool that you, you did it yourself. Cause I, I've kind of built mine as well. And it's it, like you say, it's an art project. It's kind of fun. So yeah, good, good. Okay. Well then we'll take the big, this time to t- ask the big question. What would you say are three of the biggest investments that you've made in yourself over your lifetime that helped get you to where you are now? Yeah. So I would say the first one is my university education. So uh, I'm not sure if you guys know, but the Ivy Business School is known to be a very, very expensive program. Uh, to give you a little bit of perspective, it was $30,000 for one year's of tuition. Wild. I, I recently learned that the U of T Business School is $46,000 for a year for a semester. For, really? Oh my God. Like the Rotman Business School? I think so. Yes. Yes. Oh my um, God. But I, I was like, what? Canada? I was blown away. I didn't know. Now I was, yeah. I haven't asked this, but do you still have student debt that you're paying off or have you paid that off? Yeah. So I have paid that off. Luckily, I always had a job in university. I had that website development business and I also had the support of my parents as well. So uh, I was lucky to soon after graduation, be able to pay that off. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really, really thankful for that. <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, without a doubt, it's it's important as well, especially like you knew what you wanted to go to school for. And clearly it's a good investment. And so that's where I just say, you know, school is great. I, I do harp on just the price in the US. I mean, just does make you realize that you want to have to think a lot harder than maybe I or, or you did in making our decisions. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, nonetheless, if you use it well, it can be very, very worthwhile. So mm-hmm. awesome. What was number two? 
Number two, I would say, is my CPA designation. So not so much in terms of cost, but in just in time. Because when you think of an investment, you also have to think about the time that you are going to spend doing it. So a time spent doing, like the CPA designation is time spent away of doing something else, right? Yeah. So I definitely spent a lot of time of my life <laughs> uh, to study, to learn all about taxes, uh, financial reporting and all of that. And that is definitely the second biggest investment that I would have, but I definitely know that this is going to be an investment that will pay off dividends in the future. Well, that's just like, you're put, you've put in all the reps to manage money and then so you're going to be doing it for the rest of your life yeah pretty much it's it's just it's kind of like i don't think i need it but it's a it's a nice to have and it's uh just like i don't know a symbol of like the hard work that you put in <laughs> no yeah it does but it, it it also falls in line to everything that you've worked for and wanted to work for and what you see in your future so it just like complements it all it's awesome yeah I, yeah i would say that like that is, you know, just like a milestone and then on to other things. Like then I could, I don't know, do something else with my life. Like I can go into art or if I, if I wanted to do that. Sounds good. And then what would be number three? So number three is my, uh, the investment that I did for to hire business coaches and business mentors in order to start my coaching business. And I think this was a really smart move because I could have like coming from a business background, I could have had like a big ego and be like, oh, I know how to do everything myself and I'll just do it myself. And I could have spent years trying to build up a coaching business and not really knowing how. But uh, one of my, I guess, I guess like alumni of, of the Ivy Business School was a business coach and I invested into his business coaching program and it was a lot of money. It was around like $5,000 for a person that hasn't even been working for a full year yet. Okay. So I invested in that program and I was just like, oh, all my money like is like gone, but it paid like, I, it was a really good like ROI, like return on my investment. And I would, I don't regret it. Like I made that investment so I could accelerate my growth, accelerate my business growth and achieve bigger and better results if I were to try to struggle and do it by myself. Okay. Um, interesting. And then I do want to ask though, what, what do you think was the biggest takeaway from, from having a coach? Was it like the mental barrier? Was it uh, anything specific? I think it wasn't any like specific strategy or like some like major secret. I think it's the, how much you value yourself because by investing like $5,000 in myself, that's like, I believe in myself and I know that I will get a return on this investment and I will like succeed. So I think that was the biggest shift. Like now when it comes to an investment of like $5,000 or now I'm thinking of an investment of $10,000, I'm like actually considering it. I'm like, sure. Like it, once I do my due, due diligence, if it's a good program, then I'm like hundred percent. I know that I can succeed. That's a good way to put it though. Cause you're, you're investing it in yourself and that way you're putting your money where your mouth is and you're not going to let yourself fail. So exactly. Good approach. And what type of an investor are you? Are you a buy and hold uh, index fund investor? Yes, I am a completely buy and hold index investor and a passive investor. And I would say that there's like two main reasons why that I am a passive investor. So the first one is that I think that no one can predict the future. So like I could do a bunch of financial analysis and I can do a bunch of market analysis and spend hours and hours trying to do this. And I could 
do well. I could, my investments could do extremely well, like times two or times three, the return, or it could also do really bad as well. So that's the thing is that it's kind of like a gamble at the end of the day. Like you don't, you can't predict the future and no matter how much market analysis or financial analysis that you do. The second reason why I'm a passive investor is because you have to make the, you have to make the best decision based on the time that you have. So what I mean by this is that like you can spend your time doing a lot of market analysis or you could, let's say, spend your time building a business and investing in yourself and making money that way. And once you do that, then it's like kind of like, who do you believe in more? Like, do you believe in this like gamble that you're doing or do you believe in yourself to make money? And that's the that's the reason why that I don't want to spend my time doing all of that market analysis. And I'd rather spend my time to focus on my business and make money that way. So you want to make money so that you can keep feeding your passive income machine, basically. Exactly. Yeah. So one, like if you invest a thousand dollars and let's say you make a 50% return, well, that's only like 50 or $500, right? But let's say you're investing a hundred thousand dollars after you've made a lot of money. Well, now that's $50,000. That's a lot of money. You can live off $50,000. You can. And $50,000 are going to pay you more dividends than than a thousand or five thousand exactly yeah investing like investing is good but investing will not solve all of your problems because it's just the nature that the more money that you have the more that you're going to make from investing and if you don't have a lot of money then it will not solve your problems it won't take away your student debt it won't take away um, all of these your spending problems right mm-hmm. so that's why investing there's a big focus on investing but i think people should take a more holistic approach to when it comes to personal finance yeah, yeah. So what do you mean by that? Just curious, like the holistic approach to the to personal finance. Yeah, so I would say like for example, if you're if you make $1000 from investing, but then you go on a spending spree and you spend $2000. Well, it doesn't really matter how much money that you made from investing, you're still going to be negative $1000. So it's easier to control your spending, to to budget properly, to have have that system already created before you try to figure out ways in order to make more money through investments or even through starting a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, again, I think that the buy and hold is just so easy because you don't have to, you don't change anything, right? It's literally just how you can continue your life and then just allocate a bit of money to paying yourself first every month and then, you know, just keep growing it. So it's, it's really simple. And, and 99% of people do not have the time to do market research or anything like that. So it just, um, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's also the learning curve in order to learn the market analysis and the financial analysis. Like, I think I could, like, I could, I definitely could learn it and like, I don't know, be really good at it, but do I want to? <laughs> like, I, I don't want to, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> oh, good point, yeah. And I mean, you, you're right. A, a lot of people do focus so much on, like, cutting their expenses and whatnot, but it's like, if you got to put that effort into making more money at the same time. And mm-hmm. um, no, great points. It's very important. Um, and yeah, again, it's the easiest way to get there. And I, I just, I love having conversations with people and we're just reiterating that, like, yeah, no, you don't have active mutual funds through a financial advisor anymore. You want to self-direct, cut out those fees and pay that 0.08 annual MER. It makes everything better. For sure. And yeah. And so you've written an ebook that you actually offer on your page. So tell us a bit more about that. And what do you cover in the book? 
Yeah, so the ebook is just a very simple PDF on the five steps that Canadians can take in order to invest their money. So on the PDF, I talk about all of the mistakes and misconceptions when it comes to investing, because a lot of people come to me saying, what do I invest in? Like what what stock or what thing should I invest in? Right. But really, that is the last step. That's like step five. That's <laughs> so true. And that step is actually quite easy if you've done the groundwork, because I tell my students that investing is actually quite easy. It's very similar to like going on Amazon and clicking buy and clicking sell. Like that's pretty much what investing is. But you need to do the groundwork. You need to set up the foundation, the first four steps when it comes to investing. And that way you actually know what to invest in. Like you, you won't be asking, what do I invest in? Right. And do you mind sharing the steps? I know it's in the book, but are you able to share as much as you can? Yeah, so uh, I won't go super into depth because uh, it's all yeah, in the ebook, so you guys can get the, it. The, the point form or... Yeah, so the steps are to figure out financial your financial position. So you need to know where you currently are. The second step is to figure out your point B. So where you want to be in the future, what, what are your financial goals? When do you want to achieve them? And that kind of influences exactly what you would invest in. Uh, step three would be to create a plan in order to achieve that. So if you're from point A and you're at point and you want to be at point B, what are the exact steps that you need to take in order to achieve it? Step four is when you start to think about investing. So this is where you start to do some market research because you've now figured out what you need to do. And the last step is just to figure out if you wanted to accelerate your plan. Let's say you, you let's say with your current situation, it'll take you 10 years to let's say buy a house. And you're like, okay, I don't want to wait 10 years. Well, what if you were to make just an extra $500 each month from your side income? Then it's like, oh my gosh, now I can buy a house in five years instead. So that is the five-step process. Good. Yeah, I think once people reach a new level of understanding, they're like, wait, I can actually make some of these decisions myself. I can change mm-hmm. this. Exactly. Yeah, that's a nice feeling to get to as well, because it's, it's really not that hard. And the best thing you can do is simplify it to a T. But then yeah. I think most people who are not financially literate, complicate it right away. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, we, we learn a lot though. I, I, I do just like it because as someone that was a teacher and I'm sure you can imagine like, you're probably, you feel like you're learning a lot more teaching others um, yeah. through that process of delivering your knowledge to them. Exactly. I think teaching is all about trying to dumb it down and to have such a clear process so that anyone who enters it can get results. And that's exactly how I built my whole plant your money program. It was like step one, step two, step three, step four, you get X result. And that, that is the beauty of a process because no matter if you're a, you know, relatively intermediate or if you're a complete beginner, you go through these steps and you get the same result. Yeah. It's a process. That's it. Not the outcome. People obsess about the outcome too much. (laughs) Good. And, um, You also have a Facebook community. So is that where anyone that you've worked with or people that are interested can go and just kind of um, ask questions or put their two cents in there? Yeah, so my main, I guess I'm most active on Instagram. This is where I see like all of my, I guess, new followers. They get to know me and I do a lot of stories and uh, Instagram lives there. But for Instagram, it's like very 
people on Instagram like have a very short attention span, right? Like they look at a 15 minute, 15 second video. They're like, oh my gosh, it's too long. <laughs> so that's the reason why Instagram is all of my short and sweet type of videos. But all of my full training, all of my full lives are in my Facebook group. And it's 100% free for anyone wants to join. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can link it in like the, the show notes as well as you go to my Instagram bio. It's also there. Yeah, I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. So yeah, anyone interested, he's got the ebook that lays it out completely free, the community. So lots of good things to check out. Um, now, I do want to get back, though, to the uh, just to the topic of being creative, because again, it's something I didn't realize I was doing until I started. But mm-hmm. how how has getting on Instagram and, you know, ha- has it kind of pulled out a side of you that you didn't forgot that you had or just in what ways has being creative helped, you know, add to your life in 2020, for example, in such a tough year? Yeah, I think creativity is so, so important in our lives. Uh, And especially when it comes to, if you think about the future where things are being automated nowadays, Uh, like in the accountant job of debits and credits, that's all going to be automated and it's probably already almost automated. And the skills and the value that you can bring yourself, the value that you can bring organizations is only creativity that's that's the only thing that we have as humans like old and ideas bring yeah like taking old information and creating new ideas from it right exactly yeah so creativity is definitely such an important muscle to build in whatever career that you're in even if you're an accountant or if you're in the arts creativity is something that is such a skill that needs to be developed and um yeah and a skill that needs to be built Good. And then, so how do you make time? Uh, is it every day to be creative a couple times a week? How do you schedule that into your everyday life? I try to do it every day. I think just naturally I'm a very creative person. So I need to, especially doing a very like monotonous, boring job every single day, I need a creative outlet at least every day. So the way that I do it is that I play a lot of piano and then I also sing while playing the piano. So I was going to say sing in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) No, like I used to, I used to be really shy, but now I like don't care. I'm like, I need to like sing because like work is so boring. So I just need to let it all out. I just got a ukulele. We can jam. Oh, congrats. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Music, music is a extremely great creative outlet. Uh, I think once a month I schedule an iPad digital art session with my friends where we just you know follow a youtube video and we're just drawing so yeah just any way it might not seem like useful or productive but like it's working something in your brain it is and again people obsess so or not to generalize but it's just we've been taught and raised to focus on the outcome right like the perfect artwork or the art piece but it's exactly it's in the hundred times that you practice that line it's that you're actually every single day um, I mean, I'm just a big proponent of compounding, and I do believe your habits compound, you, like exercise, what you practice, it it just, it, it all works that same way. Um, and and da- daily repetition is very good for you. And I imagine you've realized that, and that's what keeps you going and doing it, so. Yeah, for sure. It's, yeah, it's also just fun. <laughs> it's good. And I hope, I hope everyone who listens and thinks like, okay, I want to get creative. How do I do it? do something that's easy that you enjoy and just just do it for the fun of doing it. And then over time, it's like, okay, I can try something different. Because dude, it's funny, I, even up until three years ago, I thought I was not creative. I didn't have a creative bone in my body. It was just like a completely different person now. So I just want everyone to try anything yeah. they think that they should do because yeah, <laughs> stop thinking about it and just do it. Um, okay, cool. A few last questions before we go. Uh, who are some of your biggest role models, uh, just in general? 
Yeah, so I would say when it comes, I have different role models for different areas of my life. And I think that's super important because you can't just have like an overall like role model because they're not perfect. They're, they're, no one is perfect in this world and they're, you need specific role models for specific things that you want to achieve. Well, so if you're opening that door, dude, you got to tell me all of them then. <laughs> oh gosh. So I, I definitely have a lot, but I'll, I'll break it down to like maybe like three or four. So I would say for business coaching, Vanessa Lau, uh, she is a, she's a business coach based in BC. I know her actually. Is she the one that you hired or no? Uh, no. Well, I did enter into her course. Okay. So that was one of the major investments that I made for my business, but she is just the role model for be, being a business coach, just integrity with her strategy, her mindset, the way that she runs her business. That is like the, the standard or the, right. the high bar to set. So she's my um, mentor when it comes to business coaching or role model. Um, I think when it comes to like creativity, <laughs> uh, there's uh, Eric Nam. I don't know if you know him. He's a he's a K-pop star, but then he he was born in America, so he's like born and raised there, okay. and he couldn't get big in America. So then he went to Korea, and then that's when he started to get big. But then he came back to or like Canada and the U.S. Right. to create an English album. So and key, important thing was that he also worked at a big four accounting firm before before starting oh, yeah. his music career. Okay. Yeah, so he went from like corporate to like pop star. So that's also just a main motivator that it like just take the leap. Now, how close are you to going pop star with your music? <laughs> um, not very close. I I was. How how many years have you been playing piano for? I've been playing piano for a very long time, like ever since I was a kid. Um, okay. so singing, <laughs> singing is like, I don't know, we'll, we'll see about it. Uh, okay. I might like maybe do a few YouTube covers, but nothing nothing pop star level yet. Well, it's a process, but I mean, hey, I, I think the, the, the hardest part is really the, the piano playing. You can develop your singing a lot quickly than you can, or a lot faster than you can the piano skills, I think, but um, <laughs> something on, on the to-do list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's Eric Nam, and then I would say a third one is Lost LeBlanc. I actually don't really know his name. His last name is LeBlanc, though. Okay. Uh, he also worked at a big four accounting firm, and this per- this guy, he started traveling. He, like, I think he worked for, like, a month, and he was like, this isn't for me. Then he, he like, quit cold turkey and then went traveling abroad, and he created this business just based on a travel blog or vlogging business. Hmm. So then now he helps content creators just travel the world. And I, I'm sure you know, or you love traveling. I love traveling. And that's like what I want to do in the next few years, just to oh, be yeah. able to work, travel, impact people and enjoy life. <laughs> well, had, it, had, had it not been for COVID, I would have probably been in Vietnam or oh, Colombia uh, oh or something, you know, and, but silver lining, it gives me more time to save and, and, you know, do po- continue the podcast and keep doing yeah. my stuff and all that. So um, but no, yeah, travel, when, exactly. Well, that's why you want to be good with your money so that you can give yourself time to experience the world, right? So, Yeah, like great. traveling is such a great investment. Like, it's, I don't know, people might not see it. Experience. I think yeah. it's the best teacher. There's no better teacher than exactly. throwing yourself out there because um, everyone you meet is kind of a reflection of you in a way. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, and well, on that topic, have you been able to travel? Have you been fortunate enough to visit many places? 
Yeah, I have been able to travel to a few places. I did like an exchange in Poland for two months back in university and then traveled all about like that uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, just before graduate or after I graduated in 2019, I did a Europe trip as well as an Asia trip. So that was my first time in Asia. I went to Korea and Japan. Uh, so that was life changing. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much Asian people. <laughs> well, hey, I'm going to take the subway at 5 p.m. on a Friday. <laughs> no, thank you. But no, it's good. I, I love, I love, well, Korea is my second home. Japan, I've been twice. Thailand, three times. Oh, so it. jealous. <laughs> you, you got time. You got time. Hey, it's good you're managing your money well, because that's, that's the one thing that's going to let you do it. Oh, yeah. Um, and then another one, how many browser tabs do you currently have open on your computer? And what have you, what are you unable to close? Because like a new first world problem that we cannot close our browser tabs. Uh, I think I have around like, I usually have around like six or seven tabs open. It's like, yeah, just like bad multitasking. With stuff from the other day, it's like, oh, I want to get around to that. I will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the thing that I keep on looking at is my like to-do list, but it's like my to-do list for the next two years. So I split my business goals into quarters. So it's like from Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. And there are specific themes and things that I need to do for each quarter. Okay, and goals so that leads that me set. into what's next for Michael Kim? Uh, what's next for me is that I eventually want to go full time with my business. So I'm working a regular nine to five, uh, trying to get my CPA designation license, but I would love to just be able to work full-time on my business and be able to impact a lot of people, change people's lives with learning about personal finance and helping them take control of their life. And yeah, and then I also want to live that nomadic laptop lifestyle. I'd love to travel the world, especially at a, at a relatively young age and just be able to work and enjoy life while traveling. Yeah, it's it's super important. Something that I'm glad I did, and I hope to do it again because once you've done it, it's yeah, um, it's addicting. <laughs> it is addicting. Yeah, and well, I did want to ask then. So, with your plan of broken down into four quarters, when do you hope to to become, uh, or like, when do you hope to take that full time? Yeah. So the current goal is by the end of 2022. Yeah, by the end of 2022. So, you know, COVID, it's a great time to just, you know, spend time with family. And like, I, I'm not like super rushed or anything. Like, I, I still enjoy life. I still love spending time with my mom, my sister, and um, just spending time with my friends here. Yeah. But I'm also extremely motivated and working extremely hard on both my job as well as my business so that I can achieve that goal in two years. <laughs> it's realistic. No, I mean, it's better than trying to say at the end of 2021, because like, what's the rush? You, yeah. you know, the money will come. You'll serve people as best as you can and you'll develop. But exactly. What's the point of rushing? I, I had a period of time where I think I was telling you in March of 2020, I was like, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to make this happen. And I think it was over that year where I just got into that. I was like, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So just yeah. take your time. Like, don't stress yourself out for no reason. And just incorporate it into your life because again, it's process, right? It's not just all about outcomes. So exactly everything. I truly believe that everything happens for a reason and you do have to be motivated and take, take those chances when they come, but you also have to just let the pieces fall where they fall. <laughs> yeah. And you put in the work and you have courage. The universe will have your back though. Exactly. And lastly, what are you most proud of this year, Michael? 
Uh, well, in, in terms of 2020, I would say starting my business, just really taking that leap of faith to invest in myself and to be able to start this business to impact people and to actually grow it and to, yeah, just to change people's lives. I think that is something that I will always be thankful for, for just the impact that I've had on my friends' lives, the, the impact that I've had on strangers' lives, and it's just such an amazing feeling. No, you're leading by example. They notice. It's great. Awesome. <laughs> well, great. So thanks so much for coming on the show, Michael. Where can people find more about you online? Yeah, so I think the first place would go is to my Instagram. So I'm at, at lifeplanting underscore. Uh, so you can, I'm the most active there. You could also join my Facebook group if you want like the more detailed and more tutorial based type of content, as well as get the investing guide in that will be left in the show notes, I think. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Well, I mean, I will put your Instagram account. I'll put your site. I can put any links that you provide, but basically if you want to finally take that leap and get started, you can visit Michael's account to follow him. You can uh, inquire about his services. Um, either way, Michael, it was great to chat with you. And one last piece of advice before we go last advice that I would give you is that yes, you are trying to make more money or yes, you're trying to invest your money, but never forget the reason why you're doing it. The reason why you're doing it is so that you can spend time with your family, spend time with your friends and do things that you actually enjoy in life so that you have more time for it. So keep in mind that yes, it's good to work hard, but also don't forget what's truly important. And you know, just to, to end off on that, it's like, don't compare yourself to anyone else's plan either, right? You've got to formulate that for you um, and find that right balance. All right. Exactly. It's called personal finance for a reason. <laughs> That's a great way to end it. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Michael. Awesome. Thanks, Jordan. And that is it for episode 76, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into my conversation with Michael Kim. You can find all of his information in the show notes. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with any friends or any like-minded individuals. I just want to help spread the knowledge. And if you wouldn't mind going to leave a review or rating, as it really helps out my podcast and I love to know who's listening, I would really appreciate that. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and at anchor.fm slash highlyinvested. This is your host, Jordan Hiley, signing off. Stay highly invested in yourselves, everybody. Till next time.